0: Hello and welcome back to Editing Aloud. I have with me a panel of South Africa's best and most thoughtful journalists in what's been a dramatic week here at uh, Tiso Black Star with the EFF uh, protesting outside as the State Capture Commission hears evidence from Praveen Gordon inside. And Kwanita, what did we learn from Praveen Gordon's really quite lengthy uh, stretch on the witness stand. Uh, that what did we learn that we didn't know? Okay, so a
1: lot of it was obviously things that were already out in the public domain, and I think the chronology was important because he sort of. You know, went down to the detail of what happened on this occasion, what happened when he was reappointed as finance minister in 2015, what happened when he was fired, what happened with the nuclear deal. So the, I think that that will help the commission in piecing together. But actual real new information or bombshells, as people expected, that, that really wasn't, um, uh, you know, uh, the focus of Praveen Gordon's testimony. However, I think what was important was, um, you know, his his sort of assertion that A, he's not for um, and be that you know politics is not a job for him. He can get a job anywhere else. Politics is a calling, and that for him, for me yesterday, which was which was um, Tuesday, he really painted this picture of of him hitting back. At the at the at the criticism he has been receiving pravin Gordon has been facing um attacks from the opposition which is the eff as well as within the ANC um and 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 it's it's been coming from all different angles and so he used this occasion of this this uh, um you know to, to, to come to this to this commission to paint the picture of state capture but also to to assert himself to say that he's he will not be bullied and he said um, you know for me what was quite interesting was he, was on Tuesday he spoke about um, you know the, the famous 27 questions that he was he was given by the Hawks um, and uh, in the two before the 2016 budget vote and he says that the harassment and the bullying that he faced from uh, you know the security apparatus now in democracy in 2016 was akin to what he, he um, experienced to the apartheid security forces. And so those kind of really strong and emotive language coming from Pravin Gordon, which I think was 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 um, interesting given that outside there was a show happening and the EFF was protesting calling for his um, uh, his removal and, or, or his resignation from parliament. And the most important thing, him saying that he did not have any direct meeting um, uh, with with the Guptas. Now, this is what basically um, is what the Ka- EFF. Kaneda,
2: he actually said he refused <laughs>
1: to yes, meet yes, with them. Yes, there yes. were
2: there was no several attempts. Th- there was no direct or indirect meeting. He refused because they wouldn't tell him what it was they wanted to talk about. He said I refused. it so, so,
0: wasn't it in a sense it was it was a, a reminder to the ANC itself of what what it was supposed, what the party was supposed to be about, what, what political leadership was supposed to be about.
2: That, that, That's exactly what it is. Uh, f- first, that assertion that I can walk out, he repeated this thing today as well, I can walk out and get a job elsewhere. Uh, politics is not a career for me. Uh, politics should not be your sole income. That on its own, you're there to serve. It should be a calling. Uh, now we obviously know that the most uh, incompetent uh, unqualified and stupidest of politicians all rush to Parliament because they've got nowhere else in the real world to work then they come and talk uh, I could use words that would go to the to the ombudsman for uh, but they they, they, they they come and we dance the whole mean. day and uh, and everything but Pravin assesses himself but the most important thing he says don't waste your time trying to intimidate me the apartheid security forces did what they did and did not succeed. Now, Kanita, you will know this. In 2016, you and I worked in our state capture uh, team Mm -hmm. uh, where we even, in democracy in South Africa, we even at that point had to worry about our own security have a security assessment of our homes have have prepared statements and and, and phone numbers of lawyers in case we got arrested only for doing our job you saw children being arrested and tear gassed for protesting against the state when they were demanding a free university education this is in democracy in 2016 2017 which ties back to exactly what prime was saying he experienced all of this 40 years ago it comes back when when we all think we should be relaxed and it became becoming a normal society
0: but now he's being accused by the EFF of being what, what was it the, the running dog of white monopoly the couple.
2: running dog of now, white what monocopsy. do you make
0: of that I mean what is the EFF up to that they how should dangerous beat, is it
2: they should beat the dog until the handler comes out those are Julius Malema's uh, uh, words now what do, we, do I make of that people who have nothing to hide have no reason to be worried. If, if, if Julius Malema and, and, and his gang of EFF have any evidence of any corruption, of any wrongdoing, not only against Praveen, but even against the journalists that are being accused also of being uh, the puppets, the dogs of white money, he should present that. And the commission is open. But you, you only shout and, and shout and shout the loudest thinking that you're going to intimidate people because of course empty teens shout the loudest. He's got absolutely you, nothing to offer uh, in the way of evidence. And yet,
0: yet it is interesting that this language and this rhetoric mm. is coming back now from the, which from from last year I mean it had gone a little quiet now it's coming back in the mouths of the FF. Juanita what is what is that about and how dangerous is it? So, so
1: the Deputy Chief Justice Raymond Zondo who's the chairperson of the of the Commission of Inquiry made an interesting point yesterday where he said that come to this forum there's no use making accusations on the peripheries come to the forum you know take your oath and give your evidence and and let the commission then go and piece everything together so so I think um, for me um, uh, you know the EFF may be motivated by a number of reasons why to attack Praveen Gordian, but the the glaring qu- question to me is why not present what you have and what you threaten uh, uh, to expose on a daily basis to this commission? Because this is where you protect it. This is where there can be some consequences, some real consequences. Um, and and I, and I think that uh, you know the attack um, that 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 the EFF. Um, you know, is conducting against Praveen Gordon, but not only Praveen Gordon, you know, a, a section of, of, of the ANC, is, 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 not, is not random. I, I don't believe it's random. I also believe that the losing side of the Nasrec conference is, is sort of... Is fighting
0: back. Is fighting, it's fighting back, back in yeah. the manifesting itself through the EFF. And Warren Thompson, how damaging is this for investor sentiment?
3: Uh, Does it have an impact? uh, Absolutely. I think uh, we're going to be lucky, Hillary, if we manage to claw our way out of a recession in the third quarter. Even at the moment, the evidence isn't very convincing. And then, of of course, while all this plays out now and we see uh, Zuma move decidedly into the camp of Moyani, which just kind of solidifies this whole theory about the lines are being drawn for battle now, Uh, you've got the land question uh, hovering in the background, which makes investors at the very least uncertain. So not great uh, for the economy. We might well find that over the 12 months for 2018 that uh, the economy was, uh, was weaker than it was at the start of the year. So this all leads into a very uh, fractious ANC and uh, not great for them heading into the polls in, in uh, May next year.
0: And now we come to uh, the sort of sad story of the week, which is the woes of Ramaposa with uh, Bosasa having emerged in Parliament as a funder, Um, how damaging is that for his stature, if you like, and his ability to implement the reforms which need to happen to get the economy going? Uh,
3: Absolutely very damaging. I think that uh, it it clearly looks at this stage like he's playing the fact that he wasn't aware of that uh, donation coming into his uh, campaign. But uh, what it does is, for his political opponents, it taints taints him with the same brush that uh, Neni was tainted with, where you're saying, we are clean, we are above the law, and he's the man that's now instituting these changes to try and clean up the the country uh, on various uh, platforms. I think it's highly damaging to him as as the man that's painted himself as, as the cleanup in chief.
0: Uh, Carol Payton wrote a column uh, this week in Business Day about uh, the two kind of things which are destroying the ANC-cater deployment and, and money politics. This is, this is money politics. I mean, what are we going to do about campaign funding and political party funding and how insidious that seems to have become? What are we going to do about
2: it? Hillary, it's, it's easy what should be done. There should be a law regulating Uh, campaign funding uh, be it to individuals or political parties and it must be transparent uh, right now, we have uh, for the for these past three days, the EFF people, for example, uh, singing and dancing outside and and, and camping there. Uh, we, we know how they got the who funded their their, their registration uh, as a political party, and 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 we, we don't know who funds the DA. We don't know who funds the ANC until they get caught out. What this is crying for is regularization of of, of political funding. And make it transparent. Of course, uh, not the politicians don't want the transparency uh, for exactly the reasons that uh, they should not have that kind. If you're not, if I'm not proud to take your money uh, in public, then I should not have it in private. Uh, that, that, that's the whole thing. Cyril Ramaphosa and many others will be caught uh, in this. The, the, the many political parties. I repeat now, who is funding the EFF? Okay. Who is funding the DA? Who is funding the, who is funding the ANC? Who is funding any party and for what purposes? If there is a register, a list of, of who's funded, who's paid what, then we can look at that and see what policies uh, is this person pursuing, what, what projects, what tenders is that... Funder winning.
0: That's that's what we would need to. I mean, because very very quickly, Cornelia, <laughs> because I want to move on to to another even bigger subject. Uh, uh, well, as big subject, uh, is there any equivalence, do you think, between what has happened with Cyril Ramaphosa and Bosasa, um and uh, you know the kind of uh, political party funding that that's sort of really dodgy stuff that's going on elsewhere? Okay. Is there any equivalence? Is there not? Um, okay. So, know, so firstly, the presidency
1: is uh, you know as part of their trying to sort of clean up. Uh, there, there is the party political funding bill that's sitting yeah. on his desk. He yeah. will sign it into law. But th- but what other political parties, especially um, uh, the, the DA has said, that they actually don't want to make this an issue of party political funding, particularly because they also get funding. The bigger problem here is that the ANC does not allow technically um, inter-party campaigning. And this was not a donation to the party. This was a donation to an individual's yeah. campaign. Yeah. And so, um, basically, um, uh, you know, you, one, one could Argue that Ramaphosa and they're more inexperienced because
0: other more dodgy, uh, you know, uh, candidates in the US that would have been transparent. Yeah. Yeah. And we could have at least assessed whether
2: it was done. But now because it's done sort of under
0: the
1: table, that's why
0: you have these kind of of, uh,
2: situations. Which the system
0: allows for. But speaking of systems, the the power system has not been healthy, Sikonati, your favorite subject, (laughs) ESCOM. Load shedding again and on a Sunday. What on earth?
2: is that about?
0: I mean, that's on a Sunday is pretty unusual when demand is minimal.
2: Let, let, let me tell you, that is just the start of a really a bad situation that's coming. First, as you said, on a Sunday afternoon, in dry weather, in summer, when, they, when there should be no problem about supply whatsoever, we, when we get the rains in the eastern parts of the country where the coal is, where the mines are, we're going to get serious problems. And ESCOM has already uh, escalated or, or expanded its load uh, its load shedding capacity to, to 8,000 megawatts, which is 20% of its installed capacity. We have never before needed to shed beyond 4,000 megawatts. Now they have just doubled that because power stations don't have coal. I mean, five power stations have less than five days uh, supply. 10 have less than twenty days. The the, uh, the the grid requirement is for twenty days of stockpiles in the in the thing. But ESCOM's policy is to have forty days of supply. So you are sitting with uh, with, with with ten power stations with less than twenty days of supply, going into a, re, a wet uh, season, which then makes it impossible to burn the coal. So hold hold on tight. It's going to get uh, really rough, it, uh, and it's, it's, it's not getting solved pretty soon, by the way. And thanks to all of that advice by McKinsey, uh, it's not being solved.
0: <laughs> Warren Thompson, Eskom, amidst all of this uh, has asked for 15% electricity price increases. Now, what is that going to do to the economy at this time?
3: Yeah, exactly, Hilary. Not great. Uh, and, and I think when you, when, when Chris Yellen from EE Publishers added back the clawbacks that they that they apply for, they're actually asking for a thirty percent increase in the uh, electricity price. Of course, uh, the regulator's been pretty good at uh, uh, whacking that down quite a bit. But given the uh, f- precarious financial position that Eskom's in, uh, they might be forced to grant. At least above inflation wage increases to those uh, those tariffs and that in turn as we've seen over the last 10 years has slowed the economy down uh, by the shock of the increase in the electricity prices and that's why when Sikonati mentioned that we're getting load shedding on a Sunday in the middle of summer in the middle of a recession at a time when half the country's fleet of um, smelters is off you can see that our industrialization is being uh, stunted by the fact that we have this massive utility over-indebted utility that re- relies on the tariff increases to keep itself afloat and that in turn obviously greatly uh, hampers demand and makes our exports in certainly mineral resources very uncompetitive
0: so and at this uh, we've had the international monetary fund this week uh, completing its visit to south africa and doing doing its summary report and saying well the initial optimism is over and the Constraints to reforms are are quite huge. Kanita, I think a lot of people are expecting that the reform momentum might gain pace uh, in terms of fixing the SOEs, fixing Mm. the economy. after the election, what is the chance of that?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's, um, you know, if this year showed anything was that Siluram Ramaphosa had the advantage of from Upforia that worked in his favour for a few months and then suddenly um, it's, you know, you need to have everyone on board, you need to have all hands on deck to to, to fully implement a reform process, and in this case you can see this push and pull phenomenon within the ruling party and within government, that every time ten steps are taken in this sort of um, avenue, five steps are taken back in another in another uh, way, and so that is going to work against the president uh, and his ambitions to f- to fix SOEs and, and and just turn around the economy and strengthen governance. But but more than that is that um, you know there's a party political system um, that that that's really being ignored, and that is the NC list processes. And the NC list processes, I, I I keep on repeating, is something not to be ignored because if. You have Sir Roma Porsche as president, but you have the rest of the 200 and something members of parliament, who however Not supportive. Mem- not supportive then. of
0: that. It's basically, uh, you know. So uh, that's as what good we'll be gone. watching. But, yeah. Sikonati, I mean, the, the, the promise of reform of the SOEs, chief of which is ESCOM, is the appetite there or going to be there to do what is necessary to get ESCOM back?
2: There's There's absolutely a lot of work being done at board level, at company level. Uh, you, you you now see we have a new uh, uh, chief executive acting at 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 Transnet. Uh, indeed, as we we have uh, a new board and new people. At ESCOM, at, at Transnet, uh, so, so the, the, and forensic investigations, that's, the, that's the, the, the admin side of things. That's the technical kind of work. And the that, that the cleanup. The cleanup that can cleanup. be done inside the, the, the company. But at policy level, which is where the IMF is looking yes. at more than anything, they, the, the, the stalemate uh, that, 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 that you are talking about, Kanita, a political stalemate in the ANC, is what is going to hold us back because uh, the ANC first needs to agree to sell. A 40% share, for example, in South African Airways, and no one will buy a 40% share. It must sell a 60% share. That P word does not work.
0: You'd have to pay uh, anyone, someone uh, to take it away uh, in any event. Uh, uh, exactly. Afford. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> Can I move on to the woes of the private sector? Because I think we've oh,
3: had they, enough they of the woes of the room. public
0: sector. Are many. But starting with momentum, <laughs> the life is short, sure Warren. Um, Refused to pay out a uh, policyholder because he, who was shot, uh, the family of a policyholder was shot because of a pre-existing condition that wasn't disclosed. A few days later, after an absolute storm, has now agreed to pay out. Now, what does that do to the industry?
3: It Warren? just certainly feeds and into and does it save
0: momentum.
3: Yeah, it's, it certainly feeds into a very uncaring face of of white monopoly capital, or the private sector, if you want to call it that, uh, where it just looks like they were so lead footed in the way that they dealt with this situation It kind of reminds me of the ford cougar story as well with the gentleman that was burned in burnt alive in 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 the car Uh, you've got to be very delicate and sensitive in the way you handle these things we absolutely do need Uh, policies to be uh, fulfilled and and the laws around those uh, policies administered properly but clearly in this case there is there was a massive regulatory mismatch because they were saying we're not going to pay out the policy because he had this pre-existing condition that he apparently didn't declare to the company never mind the fact that his his cause of death was something completely unrelated to that thankfully after A very persistent and and loud outcry from the public Momentum's revisited its policy and decided that any victim of violent crime now will be paid out their policy regarding of what regardless of what their health condition was in relation to uh, the health or the life policy that they had but again it's just another lesson where we just wonder how the decision-making gets taken inside corporates in respect of public relations in a matter as sensitive as a man's death at the hands of uh, violent, violent crime but
0: is, is this not a problem for the industry because it always has been the case as i understood it that that you really did have to disclose when you took out a policy In you know, you absol- um, technically that is the case um so what does it do to the industry if 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 that shifts Is that a problem for the industry?
2: Look, any insurance policy under five years, all the companies, then when a claim event arises, a death, company will go and check your your medical history. And and, and that's why Momentum won the legal case. They will go check at your medical history and and whether you have disclosed, which in itself is problematic. Because uh, Mr. Ganas here, for example, had been contributing faithfully uh, to a policy for four years under the impression that he is covered. Who is it that had the responsibility to test whether that man is truthful, particularly when you are dealing with such a, a huge amount of money, in short? Now, that's, the whole, that's how the whole industry practices. But someone gets mad at and you go check if they had high blood, uh, high sugar levels or not. What does that have to do with the bullets? that killed the person. So the insurance industry has now been woken up. Suddenly uh, they, they know that uh, the, the customer will not just sit back and accept wh- wh- what the, wh- what the insurer says. You have at the beginning of the relationship decided to test everything as in the insurer that you know may determine whether or not you insure the person and whether or not you pay out. To, to just return the premiums is not good enough.
0: But equally, equally, are you saying that it's up to the insurer now to do the kind of checks that it needs? Head momentum. Shouldn't leave it to you to to know what to disclose and what not.
2: Shouldn't leave it to you because by by, by catching you, they are catching you off guard. When the man is no more, cannot defend himself anymore, they they go and say, "Ah, actually, you lied four years ago. Yes, I'm not killed by." whatever you, you think I should have told you four years ago. Did you test for it? When you took on this relationship, did you ask me specifically about that event? Did you conduct the test or you looked at one thing? They look at HIV. When you must claim, then they will find all sorts of excuses. At any rate, someone gets murdered brutally. Instead of paying, you go find an excuse why you should not pay. Yeah, that's exactly mm, it. Yeah, yeah,
0: that is the perception of insurance. It's not it? the perception; it's the reality. Not to pay rather than to pay. Hillary, yeah. in
2: this example,
0: and you someone gets murdered. Yeah.
2: This is not perception. Someone gets killed brutally. Mm. There's no doubt whatsoever about what may have caused that death. They go check his medical history for what? Because they are looking for an excuse not to pay.
0: Yeah. Kanita, what's your experience of the industry? I mean, do you, think, do you think that if the industry is going to sort of uh, pay out automatically for violent crimes, that is something which would make you feel better as a policyholder or a consumer?
3: Because
0: yeah, presumably the whole industry is not going to have to follow this sort of trend, unless is going to use it as a competitive advantage, which is a terrible competitive advantage to have. We'll pay if you are, regardless if you are, if you are killed violently
1: but the thing is that's the the reason why people have insurance is that you can have that peace of mind (laughs) it's to have that peace of mind and so basically the, 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 the 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 archaic business model of um you know selling fear to people, and then when you need to pay out finding loopholes of, of insurance companies really needs to, 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 to be looked at and, and and the thing is what what Sekunati is saying is that you know customers have been taken advantage of for a very long time and and had they not have been this sort of collective outrage um, and if you just see the, the you know the public narrative, everyone has an auntie or everyone has a family member that was you know d- done badly by by insurance company, and so I think that you know b- insurance companies broadly will have to look at 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 this what I think is a really archaic model and look at something to you know that 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 sort of is more
0: transparent and and and, and more open to to uh, the customer who's signing that policy. So where another actuary is going to have to go back to the drawing board now to well, assess well, I, the I'd li- risks I'd like to and what they're going to be paying. To.
3: Sure, but I'd like to see. I mean, you take out a life policy in the event of your death, that the company pays out. Uh, that that's the basic premise of a life policy, right? So I think there's there's better ways to uh, to solve this problem. I think the regulator and the insurance companies should use this as a as an opportunity to really kind of clarify what is acceptable behavior and uh, in the event where an insurance company is clearly just looking for an excuse not to pay a policy that's completely unrelated to the manner in which the the gentleman or the, or the person dies, that they can bring a bit more clarity there so between the the ombuds uh, the the industry and uh, perhaps the, you know, the, the regulator, the overarching uh, regulator in this, uh, the long-term and short-term insurers are, are regulated. Um, they should at the very least bring clarity to uh, situations like these, which I'm sure unfold all the time in South Africa.
0: On, on the subject of the private sector, once again, another <laughs> even more badly behaved company, Steinhoff. Uh, wouldn't you like to be the chief executive who causes <laughs> the new chief executive who causes the share price to jump 20% just on your appointment? This is Louis Dupree at Steinhoff. Uh, yeah. Warren, what what is so thrilling about his appointment that the market raise the share
3: price 20% or well, is it off a very low base? As it it is obviously a very, <laughs> a very low base. Uh, I think, Hilary, uh, it might be wise just to also look at what's actually happened is that the acting CEO, Donny van der Merwe, is leaving. So when you look at that market reaction to the sign of share price, you're not quite sure if the market's now paying, uh, perhaps prepared to pay up because the acting CEO is departing or if it is indeed because uh, Louis Dupre, who's been the commercial director of Steinoff for some time, uh, is is now going to assume the role of chief executive officer. There was also some announcements about uh, the lockup agreements with the uh, creditors, which I think was quite important. But uh, of course, even a 20% bump in the Steinhoff share price, uh, just to put that into context, they've lost 90, over 95% of its value since this time last year. So 20% on, on one seventy when the share price used to be at 55 uh, is insignificant in the greater scheme of things. But on a positive note, uh, they haven't gone into liquidation or business uh, rescue yet, and I think that's an achievement. So there are um, certainly, uh, in my mind, uh, an increasing chance of this company actually remaining intact for the foreseeable future without having to uh, declare themselves insolvent.
0: At what point will we know what happened? And, and I also want to ask you, Sekunati, I mean, the, the kind of overseers, the audit firms and the directors and, and so on, who we've been so critical of at, at public sector companies, um, have we been as critical, um, just before we wrap up, of, of them at private sector companies, particularly First Stanhope?
2: point, PwC will uh, publish this. Uh, the, the report is due by December. They are a year-long forensic report. They should be able to tell us what happened. Have we been as critical? The market has definitely been as critical. 98% wipe out. Uh, you don't get any more critical than that. Uh, as the media, what did we know? We still don't know what the facts are. We report what we, 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 we think we do know. And, and the, the irregular, accounting irregularities, we are calling it exactly what it is, fraud.
0: That's all we have time for. Thank you very much for joining us and please join us again next week for another edition of Editing Aloud.